Thanks for joining me for another episode of Accented. This series is based on conversations with real people who all have different English accents. You get to hear really cool stories and listen to how people enunciate their words. Today you're going to hear from Kevin. He is the creator of Deliberate English and he is from Chicago in the United States of America. Hello and welcome to episode 49. I'm on time this week. I'm a little bit more settled in my new country. I've moved to France for some of you who don't know. I didn't hear the last episode. I have left Australia and I'm beginning my new life here in France. I'm going to start talking about my guest today. It is Kevin. He is from Chicago and he's created a website called Deliberate English and it's for people who want to perfect their English, especially in the workplace. Before we get started, I'll just go through some phrases and words that have been used in the interview. Now, at the start of the interview, Kevin says, in just a minute. Now, when you say in just a minute, that means that you're going to talk about that shortly. And English speakers use that all the time. We sometimes say, oh, just a second. And I know my eight-year-old son likes to uh, count when I say just a second. So I'm very cautious about what I'm saying because he takes it literally. So it doesn't mean that it's going to be in just a minute. It's probably going to be a couple of minutes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a common phrase that a lot of English people use. Another one he said was, it was never really in the cards for me. Now, I'm going to take a guess at this. I'm going to use some context clues, which is something that you really need to do with English. When you hear phrases, try and put it in context. Now, this is a little bit difficult, this one. Never really in the cards for me. So I'm going to use context clues. And I will double check online to see if I'm correct. In the context that Kevin was speaking about, he was talking about his future. Now, there are some people who believe in tarot cards and tarot cards can predict your future. And there would be a medium, which is what we call these people who can predict the future. And they would be turning over these tarot cards and they read your future through the cards. So when people say it's never really in the cards for me, that means that it wasn't part of their future. Kevin mentioned that he doesn't scold his students. Now, to scold someone is to get very angry at them. And that word is generally used with children. Parents can sometimes scold their children. And that's to get very upset with them after they've done something. And lastly, Kevin mentions my old group or band, Dr. Octopus. And a band obviously is a musical group. And before I became a teacher... I was a singer for a band. So we were discussing 
our dreams of both wanting to be famous musicians. And I guess Kevin brought it up because I did have a little success with my music group and was able to tour the world to different places. And he was mentioning that that was something that he wanted to do. So that was his dream was to be a very famous musician. Okay, let's get on with the interview. Hello and welcome to Accented. Today I am chatting here with Kevin, who is the creator of Deliberate English, and he's from Chicago. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you, Kimberly. It's great to be here. It's cool that you're here. You reached out to me because you heard one of my latest episodes, and I'm glad you reached out to me because you have a very cool uh, website. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's it's kind of been a, a long winding journey to to get to this point. Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll explore that more in just a minute here. But like, you know, teaching English was never really in the cards for me. It was never something I had really considered for the longest time. Um, but yeah, here I am now. Deliberate English um, started a couple of years ago, and uh, my goal with it is to to help international students and immigrants to the United States sort of build more confidence for their jobs, right? So these are people with uh, intermediate, upper intermediate level. Um, they just, you know, they have that sort of inner fear of like talking in front of people and making too many mistakes. And so that's really what I focus on is, is helping them build their vocabularies, improve their pronunciations, and then ultimately get to the point where speaking in front of a native, speaking with multiple natives isn't scary anymore, right? We capitalize on the mistakes to teach. We don't scold them for making the mistake in the first place. Sure. And you're saying that you never thought you were going to be an English teacher. How did you get into this? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good question. Um, and I mean, it kind of all starts with, you know, as, as a kid, like I, I wanted to basically be you, like when you were at with Dr. Octopus, like I was checking out your site and everything, like that was what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be a, a rock star. Like I, I had like these, uh, I just played in like a bunch of bands in high school. Um, eventually like the, the most quote unquote successful one um, was towards the end of my high school career. And um, we, we were, we modeled ourselves after a band called Dream Theater. I don't, I don't know if I know them, they're quite metal and yeah, yes. that cool. So we were, we were this prog metal band and, um, you know, we, <laughs> the, the, the funniest thing I remember about that those days was like, we used to play these gigs in barns, like literal barns that you would see on a farm because mm -hmm. we lived in the middle of these cornfields and, you know, we just had neighbors that were like, yeah, you could, you could play in the barn. And so like people from our school would come and our teachers would come and friends and everything. And we'd play progressive metal in the middle of a barn on the farm. So like that was my, my, my dream, you know, is to, to get to this point where I was like really famous, really popular. This music was everywhere. <laughs> um, but then after, after like the end of high school and, and starting college and, you know, getting serious with my, my girlfriend at the time, all those things sort of kind of to, to shift a little bit. Um, and so like, you know, I started college as a, as a music major, kind of mm -hmm. trying to pursue that. But after like, you know, spending hours a day in like a practice room and just thinking like, where am I going with this? Like, you know, am I, am I really talented enough to, to, to make it big? Like I was thinking, and the answer to that was no. 
<laughs> are you sure? Because there's a lot of people out there that I just wonder, how are they so big? So you've been doing computer science for 12 years. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, ever since uh, the end of college to just about last year. And so like, um, you know, that, you know, I started with the audit thing. And then eventually I got into like software sales for like a cyber cybersecurity company. Um, which was, you know, it was a really great company. I worked with really great people. Um, but the whole, I don't know, I, I just, with the whole computer science thing, I never really felt super gratified, I guess. Like I didn't really feel like I was making a difference in, in people's lives. Like, you know, I was helping a company grow. Sure. That's, that's one thing, but like, I always wanted to do something that was a little more like direct to individuals. Right. Um, and so I didn't really find that with the computer science thing. And that's kind of what got me sort of starting to think about doing something like I'm doing now. Um, but what really sort of like kicked that off was like five years ago, I decided to start learning Spanish because okay. I wanted to. Um, I, I had some family members that uh, you know were coming in as Spanish speakers. Like my siblings were starting to, to marry a couple um, Spanish speakers um, in Chicago, we have a very large Spanish speaking population. Um, and so like all those things were like, okay, yeah, I, I want to try this. Mm. Um, started that out it, at first, like it was really hard. I had no idea how to learn a language or anything. Um, but eventually, you know, I kind of picked it up. I met some people through that process. And uh, one of them happened to be this uh, guy who taught Spanish online and mm. with a company called Deliberate Spanish. And uh, he asked me, you know, hey, would you be interested in uh, kind of creating like a sister business here, but focused on English? And, uh, you know, that kind of led to where we're at now. So deliberate Spanish, deliberate English, like, um, you know, taking over the world, I guess. That's <laughs> One so language cool. at a time. How quickly did you learn Spanish? So it's, um, and I was actually just going to ask you a question about this, like, you know, for you to kind of give me your definition of what you consider to be fluent, because I think like there's a lot of definitions and a lot of uh, opinions, especially that might lead people to feel a lot less confident about their level, even though they are a really high level speaker. Um, and so, you know, we'll come back to that in a second. But as far as my Spanish, like, you know, I started for six months doing like a, a Duolingo type thing. My wife and I went to Spain that same fall mm -hmm. and like, I was just in shock. Like I remember we got to a restaurant, you know, I, I confidently asked for my table. I was like, yeah, a table for two. And they're like, okay, here you go. And then the waitress walks up and then she just you know, like, you know, speaking to Spanish and me and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> um, so that was a little bit of like a, you know, an ice water moment or whatever, you know, a little bit shocking, but it sort of, inspired me once I got back to really like look for different ways to kind of practice, get more into like deliberate practice, you know, which is kind of the theory behind our, our companies, um, which is much more active because like I was doing a lot of like passive stuff. So like I would watch like TV shows or try to, um, and I would, you know, answer quiz questions and apps and stuff like that. But like, I, I didn't really find that those things helped me get better at speaking and listening. Like they helped me like build some vocabulary for sure. Um, mm. They helped me get really good at answering quiz questions, but they didn't really help me, you know, when it came to, you know, speaking with someone. And so that's when, you know, I, I sort of got into the whole deliberate Spanish thing and you know, learned all these deliberate practice techniques like um, active listening, like um, repeating sentences out loud, um, 
like uh, using writing as like a technique to help your speaking, which kind of sounds counterintuitive, but like you're, you're creating the language mm. in, in both cases. And so like to me, I would say like my definition of fluent is being able to, you know, create connections with humans in a different language. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be like 100% mistake free all the time. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. I think fluency is being able to get your point across, being able to communicate. Yeah, I would say that I'm a fluent French speaker. Uh, I I have to do a lot myself while I'm here. I had an issue with the post <laughs> last week. So I was in the post office this morning, you know, mm. explaining my situation. I think, you know, if you can do that, that that's what I think immigrants really find the hardest when they come to a new country is the... Mm-hmm. The system, understanding the the way things are and communicating, I, I think that's it. Like, yeah, I make a ton of mistakes when I speak French, but I'm understood. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the main thing is, um, I don't know, I think as English speakers, maybe we're not so worried about making mistakes as much, whereas I find mm-hmm. other uh, people who speak other languages um uh, especially, well, if I want to pinpoint, especially the French, they, you know, they don't like to make mistakes. So sometimes they're a bit concerned about speaking English because they they want it to be perfect. And I yeah. think that that's what's hard when people try to speak a second language. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And that's like, I mean, that's kind of like the basis for what we do in in the deliberate English community is that yeah, there, there's there's all this friction when students first come in of exactly what you said, like, you know, hey, I can I can speak, but like I, I make mistakes and that makes me feel really bad. Like, I just don't mm-hmm. like doing it. Uh, I, I'm sure I sound dumb. Like, I don't want to sound dumb. Um, and so a lot of what I'm doing as they start coming into this this program is sort of trying to re reframe or, or let's say reestablish their relationship with mistakes. So you know, what we do is we create like a feedback loop. So every time a student publishes something, whether it's a text, whether it's an audio recording, whether it's in a live class, there's a native speaker that will review what they said and give them direct feedback, advice, and coaching on whatever it was they did. And so, yeah, there's going to be mistakes in that process. But then instead of like, you know, if you're in grade school, grammar school, whatever, or high school, you know, you get, you get a paperback and it's marked up in red and it says you got a certain grade and you feel all mm. this anxiety about it. Like, that's not really the idea. We're not saying like, hey, you made these mistakes. Bye. It's, hey, you know, great job trying to use this vocabulary. Didn't quite fit here. This is how I would probably use it. And here's a better situation to use that expression that you just tried to use. And so mm-hmm. it's through this sort of feedback loop. So they, they collect some new vocabulary, then they go to use it in these real life situations, and then they get that feedback from the native speaker. It's that repetitive action, at least in my opinion, that really leads people to feeling more confident, right? Like you build confidence through repeated exposure to things that used to make you feel anxious and scared and realizing on the other side of that, that the world didn't end. And so how does your program work if someone were to sign up to Deliberate English? Yeah, so um, the idea is, you know, first you can go to deliberateenglish.com. And uh, when you go there, you'll be able to get a free ebook, which uh, explains the three-step process I use to help students speak more confidently at work. And so from there, you'll kind of get a better feel for, you know, hey, what do, what do these lessons look like? What are the things that I'm going to be doing and all of that? 
but ultimately, when the student decides that uh, you know that they're in, they want to sign up and everything, um, they'd be able to join the Delivered English community. And so that's a um, you know opportunity for them to to join sort of like um, a, a monthly subscription type thing where they can you know get access to unlimited number of lessons like we're talking about now these live classes. Uh, they'll also have the opportunity to do um, what I call like real life challenges. So mm-hmm. we give them like a scenario, like, hey, you know, your boss sent you this terrible email. You know, how do you respond in a polite way? <laughs> or, you know, hey, you have to schedule a meeting and like 15 people wrote in and told you that, uh, you know, they're available at all these different times. So how can you sort this out? How do you respond politely? How do you ask for more information? So we give them these different real life challenges. They post their answers. The native speaker reviews it and gives them mm. feedback on all of that. Um, and like I said, those, that's all supplemented then with the uh, the live classes where we're giving that direct feedback. What do you call pe- what do you call people who are from Chicago? <laughs> Chicagoan. Chicagoan, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. So Chicagoans. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what's very what what makes Chicago different to the rest of the world? Hmm. Well, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I guess one of the places that I've had the most experience with culturally is Spain because of mm. you know the, the tr- multiple trips there. I'm actually going back to Spain uh, next month um, to spend some more time out there, and um, I think like from a Chicago versus like Spain perspective, one of the things that really just like I noticed the most was that in Spain they just like I feel like there's a much better appreciation of like just life and the little Mm. things in life a little more like they they tend to take things slower like you know after work like everybody's just out like taking a walk like and and it's just like this uh paseo right which is so nice um compared to like here I feel like we're very um we're very just like work and career focused and, Mm. and like things move it's a very fast paced like culture it's like you know hey we have a mission like i'm i'm not just gonna walk around after work like i gotta get home i gotta cook i gotta you know go meet with this person or whatever and so we're very like i don't know very regimented in our time so like we're good at like time management and stuff like that i think for in a lot of (laughs) cases but like we don't have you know and again i'm speaking in my own person my own perspectives here i can't speak for everyone in chicago everyone in spain of course but like I have a hard time and I think a lot of the people in my sort of orbit have a hard time just like stepping back, taking a deep breath, relaxing, you know, smelling the roses or whatever the expression is. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And versus like when I was in, in, in Spain and and other countries that have a similar sort of philosophy on like life being Mm. more important than like whatever it is, like the work that you're doing is like, I don't know, for me, that was something that, was very enchanting, I guess I would say. Like, I would definitely kind of prefer, I think, more of a lifestyle like that. Anyway, well, thank you so much, Kevin, for coming on. And I'll put in the show notes your link to Deliberate English. Sounds, it's great that you found something that you enjoy doing and that um, you're passionate about. Yeah, awesome. No, it's, it's, it's been a great experience and, you know, one of the other benefits has been being able to meet people like you and other people around the world that, you know, have a similar passion for, for languages and helping others. So, you know, that's, that's been a good part of it too. And it's been great to be here. So thank you. 
Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Accented. I'm your host, Kimberly Law. Accented is released on the 15th and 30th of each month. If you'd like to find out more about me, please head to kimslawofenglish.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't forget to leave a review of the podcast or even a star rating. Speak to you soon.